welcome to this episode of Fashion History with American Duchess. Woo! 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 Uh, <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Abby Cox. And I am Lauren Stoll. And we are actually in our hotel room at Costume College in Los Angeles, uh, recording an episode with the wonderful Kathy Hay. Hello, Hi. Kathy! Hello! Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we have had some coffee this morning, so we're not completely out of it, but uh, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to go through this episode. And you're welcome, because you get to listen to Kathy Hay's beautiful English accent. <laughs> Yay! Who's <laughs> ready for the most popular episode? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's the one with the English accent. Uh, <laughs> now that we've completely embarrassed Kathy, <laughs> yeah. onward. <laughs> Let's be serious adults. Um, so Kathy is here to talk to us today a little bit about herself and also some of the research she's done. Uh, so Kathy, would you like to introduce yourself officially to those who are listening who may not be familiar with your websites and your work? Okay, I am Kathy Hay. I am from... Nottingham in England. Um, I spend an awful lot of time over here as well. Um, I have a website called Foundations Revealed and I also have one called Your Wardrobe Unlocked and they are membership communities based around costume making and particularly corset making. Um, so I've had two up until now. They're about to go put back together. Become one. Become one again. They're going to become just Foundations Revealed very soon. Become one. Just, so, yeah. just <laughs> Foundations like, yeah. Revealed. They'll just be Foundations Revealed. Excellent. So how much does it cost to do a membership? A membership currently mm-hmm. is around $20 a month. $20 a month for yes. all sorts of yummy goodness. All sorts of yummy goodness. Patterns yes. and no, instructions. Yeah. It, uh, up until recently, it was just uh, an article a week uh-huh. uh, teaching you something about how to make them or, how, or the history or um, how to pattern or fit or, or whatever it might be. Um, we've recently added, uh, we do a monthly call with mm. a couple of mentors that I've hired who know a heck of a lot about corset making. We have Ooh. Luca Costigliolo. Who is just, yeah, there's, there's just nobody who knows more about historical no. corset making. Um, oh, and then we have Luana O'Shea, who is from Vanianis.com, who is a modern corset maker, mm-hmm. who is doing incredibly well at the moment. She just launched a, a ready-to-wear collection of Victorian corsets. Um, this is where there's a, there, there are two groups of people who make corsets. There are the costumers who are strictly making historical corsets to wear mm. under their costumes. And there are modern corset makers who are reinventing corsetry and making it a modern fashion thing. So they're wearing them on the outside, they're mm. beading them and putting lace on them and making them into these incredible works of art. So Luana is in that camp oh, and wow. helps those kind of people with, with that, kind of, that kind of corset making. Oh, that sounds amazing. Awesome. So, so every month we have a call with both of them so that people can ask, get their questions answered. We have we've had people even put on their mock up and and like stand in front of the, their webcam and, <laughs> and they can get help how, with the fitting. Fit so, you yeah, know, yeah. that's awesome. everybody's major question. It, yeah. yeah, we have that question with stays a lot. Do yeah. how do you fit them? And that's it's it. and even with stays, you're still like. Uh, a little this and a little yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. There's kind of more good. to these than what we think there are. Imprecise art, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah, you can get that direct help now. And until recently, it was just that text articles every week, but nice. now we're like bringing it up to date and bringing the interactive element awesome. into it. And for those of you mm-hmm. who haven't um, checked out the free articles on the websites, the two websites right now, mm-hmm. um, they they're there to entice you into mm-hmm. your membership, and it is a huge wealth of information Mm. because you get the entire archive as well as all of the new stuff so if you're into costuming of any level especially if you're beginning 
it's an your wardrobe resource. unlocked yes. and foundations revealed are mm-hmm. are the resources. Um, they've been around a long time now. Mm-hmm. Ten years this year. Ten years. Ten years. Oh my gosh. Publishing every week for ten oh years. Oh my wow. That's a lot wow. of articles. <laughs> wow. So Louise. just about anything you want to know about it's costuming. There. And it's, it's, there it's not just corsets, is it? So it's yeah. it's um, hair. I remember looking yep. at the like the there's hair stuff in there. There's how to how hair. to run a ball. There's how to. Um, Oh, this I'm is your wardrobe because, unlocked, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's lots of business articles because there are plenty of us who want to try and see if we can make it into a career. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how to do a three of us sit here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of things, yeah, and, all kinds of things. <laughs> and all different periods as well. So yeah. it's it's not strictly Victorian That's or right, strictly yeah. Edwardian. Of course, it stays bra making. We've got some incredible bra making articles by wow. a guy who's an expert in that industry. So yeah, over ten years, you know, you, the Jeez. content yeah. gets. That's awesome. Pretty varied. Sweet. So it's like an encyclopedia. It's like a whole Mm -hmm. library right there. Awesome. Well, this is actually a a good segue because one of the things that uh, we wanted to talk to you about today is actually research. I I assume, seeing as how you've been doing your wardrobe unlocked for 10 Mm -hmm. years, um, you've done a lot of research with the Symington Corset Collection. That's right, yes. And a lot of that information you've been sharing Mm-hmm. On yes, I keep wanting to say foundations unlocked now, <laughs> and they keep laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> so you guess why we're putting the two back together? It's just confusing to have two names. Your foundations unlocked, revealed, and relocked. Anyway, you need a subscription for that. Yeah, that's a different thing. But you've done a lot of research on that, and so I wanted to talk to you, and Lauren wanted to talk to you today about the research that you've done. So if for those who may not be familiar with the Symington Corset Collection, could yeah. you could you elaborate on what it is for us? Okay, so um, the first time I was in New York, about mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I went into FIT and they had this fantastic corset exhibition on. And I went in there and looked at all these corsets and it seemed like 80% of the corsets said, courtesy of Leicestershire Museum's service. Mm-hmm. I lived in Leicestershire. I'm like on the other side of the Atlantic. I'm like, wait, what? 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 <laughs> what? Where is this coming from? <laughs> so there's no particular museum housing it, but just outside my university town mm. is this incredible collection of corsetry. And it comes from the Symington Corset Company were based in Market Harbour from the 1850s up to the 1980s. Wow. They were going for 130 years, and uh, they were one of the major corset manufacturers worldwide. They had they had factories in, I believe, South Africa and Australia. Wow. And wow. They were incredible. And they were remarkable in a number of different ways. Um, one of them was that they, uh, they made sure they treated their workers really well. They had a factory, but they made sure it was very light. They had social club for the, for the workers wow. and that kind of thing. So, um, but... For our purposes, what's remarkable about them is that they had a sense of their own creating their own history. They kept records of the things they were making. They kept samples of their corsets. And as they bought corsets from other companies, from their competitors, to take them apart and see how they were <laughs> doing them, they would, they would take apart half of the corset and keep the other half. So wow. what they were left with by 1980, they donated to the Leicester County Council Museum Service um, this whole what became the Symington collection. So it was samples of their work going back to I think 1860 was the first oh my one, gosh. Wow. and then up to 
1900s, 1910s. They've got, and people always go in and want to see the Victorian corsets, but in fact, the curators there are like, well, everybody wants to see the corsets, but we have the most incredible collection of 60s girdles, and one day somebody <laughs> will love them. Yeah, I think it's coming very soon, yeah. probably. There's, yeah. there's more interest in. Uh, early 20th century foundations yeah. growing I think um, in the vintage community definitely yes. there's girls that wear them every day yeah. and are recreating them now so I think that's I have an yes. interest in that and I yeah. never have been I'm like oh I want myself some 1920s knickers mm -hmm. yeah. where am I going to get those hmm I have to make them yeah so yeah. there we are so there we are yes so they have corsets going back to 1860s they've got even earlier ones that they've collected they've got regency corsets now. oh my gosh um, okay Leicestershire trip to Leicestershire <laughs> yeah, yeah. here we go and the great thing is the museums in Britain are much more open than American museums are, about letting yeah. you go and visit first time I went to see them I wanted to see just courses from about the 1880s, the ones with the pretty flossing. Yeah. And they brought, out, flossing. Yeah, mm -hmm. they brought out tons of boxes of them. And then as I was like 20 minutes into the first one, because there was so much there, this guy came in with like, he's piled up mm -hmm. with boxes saying, I found these too. Do you want to look at these? <laughs> and all excited. And they're all in Britain. They're all about, we're here for you. you yeah, are, you're yeah. the geeks who want to see this stuff. <laughs> yeah. This is why we've kept this stuff. We're not just here for the tourists on a rainy afternoon who mm -hmm. are like, yeah, what are we going to do? We're here for you. So they're fantastic about letting you go down and, and see all the courses. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So you've been able to play then in the collection yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. And they have the original corsets, and yes. then they also have the pattern books. They do. Which <laughs> I've enjoyed because you can buy the prints on the pattern. Yes, and you're like, whoa, look at the corset pattern. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to so. give a link out with this. Yeah. With no, this. no, there'll yeah. be links yeah. everywhere yeah. for this. Yeah. So, yes, they have, they have not only the corsets themselves not only the flossing sampler which is a whole nother story in itself but they have in a separate record office elsewhere in leicestershire where they have all their paper records they have seven huge books like this um like two inches thick and I was gonna say, we I don't know, have 12 a inches <laughs> 12 inches tall and maybe 18 inches wide nice and um, seven books full of patterns the left hand page is the pattern the right hand page has all the information on the materials used to make it, the colorways they made it in. Uh, oh, I don't think I've seen incredible. that side. I've seen the pattern yeah. side, and sometimes you'll see like flossing and like red, green, or black. Yeah, that's but right. that's all I've ever. Yeah, so oh, the right wow. hand page has all the information. And you've so. got photos yeah. of I've that. I've got photos. Too, so. I went to your lecture last mm. year, yeah. a couple yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to go. Fascinating. It was yeah. So, what did so, you learn from going through the pattern books that people might not expect to find in? Victorian corsets. Like, Let's do well, some myth busting here because yeah. I know you got some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite part about it is, well, I come, I come to all of this. I came to costuming as a math teacher. I'm trained mm -hmm. as a high school math teacher. So the patterns are what's really important to me and interesting to me. And what I love about looking at the Symington corsets is that we all know what a Victorian corset pattern looks like. We've mm -hmm. all bought the, the commercial patterns you can get, whether the big companies or the historical pattern companies. And they will have five or six pieces that are fairly up, that sort of stand fairly upright. Mm -hmm. The Symington corsets seem to be drawn in a box with the centre front on one side, the centre back on the other side, and all of the pieces perfectly fit in that box. And they're not upright. They seem to uh, angle towards the back. And so it's as if, if you uh, put your arm straight up at 12 o'clock, and 
take take your arm around to one o'clock and two o'clock the pieces from the center front towards the side start to angle and the funny thing about that is that we've had articles written by Jenny Hampshire from Sparkle Rem Bespoke Corsetry, one of these modern corset makers. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of research into how to make a great shape and how to, modern corset makers are very into creating a perfectly smooth fitted look, whereas historical, you know, well, yeah, historical costume, it doesn't matter because it's like no seen. <laughs> but you know, the modern makers want to make things in perfectly smooth mm-hmm. satin and, you know, and she found that you can eliminate the wrinkles that you can get on the front hip by angling those pieces. So it really demonstrates to me nice. when I look at these patterns that we've still got a lot to learn about mm. how Victorian corsets are made and how they were patterned. And when you look at our corsets compared to the real ones from the Victorian era, there's a level of engineering in there and a level of finesse and elegance that we haven't figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And that's the most fascinating thing to me, that so there's very, so much more to learn. There's knowledge hidden in that archive. They're very mathematical. Yeah, there's, there's something they're going on there. Drafted. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, and of course, I can see how that ties in with your love of maths. Yeah. Since you're English, we'll yeah. say maths. Um, <laughs> that's, that's really cool. So um, when you looked at the original corsets and then the books that said what they were made out of and, mm-hmm. and all, all of the materials and whatnot, yeah. um, how did those differ from corsets today? There were, uh, there's difference in the materials that, I'm, that they're made from. Um, Today we tend to use cotille a lot, which is um, the fabric that's designed for corset making, but it tends to be, you find the cotille more in the later corsets in 1900, 1910. The earlier ones, the fabrics are much lighter than you'd expect. Mm. Um, Makers nowadays, we're we're very concerned with making corsets strong enough because they've got to you know they've got to perform under pressure because under strain Mm -hmm. but the corsets yeah (laughs) (laughs) but the corsets back then were made they were very very light yeah and you wouldn't expect that they would hold up but they have so not only are some of the materials a lot lighter but nowadays we're all about particularly particularly the modern makers they're all about it's got to be steel it's got to be steel boning Uh, can't uh, use this plastic rubbish (laughs) it's got to be steel steel And, and particularly with the modern makers, I'm trying to teach them mm-hmm. that, hey, there's this stuff called synthetic whalebone that's mm-hmm. amazing, and it molds to the, to the body with yeah. heat, and they're still very concerned with it's got to be steel, it's got to be steel. Well, yeah. I think, yeah, it's interesting, because I've worked with baleen for 18th mm-hmm. century stay making. Oh, really? The, yeah. real, the real yeah, stuff? Yeah, the real stuff. Cool. Start to finish. Um, start to finish. Yeah. Excellent. Because I'm a weirdo. And just for anyone listening, I'm just going to put this out there because I've, I've had feedback before. Uh, in America, you're legally allowed to acquire uh, real baleen from Alaska from the indigenous peoples up there. Uh, mm-hmm. They harvest whales legally, and it's essentially a byproduct because there's a lot of baleen. So I'm just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. It's not illegal in America. I cannot speak for your all's country wherever you're listening, but in America, the yeah. continental U.S., it's okay if you buy it from the right people. Yeah. You would probably have a prob- problem. I would have a problem taking any back to England. Because yeah, there's, yeah. There's that's a, illegal. There's a, yeah. Custom, yeah. There's a customs issue there about yeah, 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 that's but, super yeah. illegal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I worked with it and putting it in my stays and wearing it, how thin I could get some of the pieces yeah. where they're almost see-through and how thick I could get some of them. I don't think people realized that 
when it comes to working with baleen, you can adjust the thickness of the mm-hmm. boning, but it's still incredibly strong. And lightweight. Yeah. And lightweight. I actually, the stays I'm wearing on Friday, which are summer stays, but they also work well for 1790s, it's like half baleen, half cable ties. And you can't actually tell which one's which. Nice. Because I was too cheap to use synthetic whalebone, so I just used <laughs> cable ties. But it is like so much more flexible than what people yeah. realize. It, and steel is like... I can't work with, like, the idea of putting yeah. steel next to my body at this point, I'm like, no! Yeah. No! <laughs> it's too heavy. It's, a, it's heavy. And it's too flexible. It's not, it's too flexible, I mm, think. You mean and, the start of spiral steel is particularly. Well, even the flat steel, I find it too bendy-windy, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mold to the body. Yeah. And that's what I really don't like about it. So, yeah, try yeah. the synthetic whalebone. I think it's interesting. I've seen some antique corsets where the steels have been bent. And mm-hmm. I know there's like Lori yeah. Tavan does that, mm-hmm. Luca um, does it. Yeah. and Luca does yeah. it, and and I thought that was always kind of like, ooh, that looks a little Iron Maiden ish, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I understand why they do it, and not just the spoon busts that are shaped like the yeah. side mm-hmm. steels are very thick, and then they're bent for the hip sprain. That's yeah. it. It's yeah. fascinating. Um, but the other material, I remember this from your talk, was reed, reed and cording. So tell us yeah. a little bit about there's that. a lot of cording in the in the Simonton corsets and in fact when Jill Salem was writing her book on mm. corsets historical patterns and techniques Great book. she got criticism for using so many corsets that were corded mm. and well her response was well that's what's there there's a lot more cording than you realize mm. um, and a lot more corded corsets than you realize it was cheap it was comfortable it provided the structure yeah. that you needed without necessarily being everything being full of bones well and it makes sense too because historically speaking regency corsets they were corded and yeah. so it makes sense that they wouldn't the just drop it like a hot potato mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like circa like 1870 and be like no forget about it it's like if it yeah. works and yep. that's the natural progression of corsetry through the 19th century it mm-hmm. makes completely logical sense and they are yeah. and it does actually surprise provide support yes and it's comfortable yeah. and it's pretty well wasn't mm-hmm. the uh, isn't the pretty housemaid that's right uh, Simington and that's when the you, whole like, hip panel is all which is yeah. totally amazing and when you look at just the name of it the pretty mm-hmm. housemaid corset yeah. it's like yes your housemaid was wearing a corset shocker yes and it was comfortable and it was lightweight yeah. and it was not considered this this in a modern modern people who don't wear corsets mm-hmm. or know anything about them mm-hmm. uh, talk about corsetry as being restrictive and difficult to breathe and all of that mm-hmm. well when you're using cording and reed and these very flexible materials materials yeah. uh you know they really aren't and and i have not worn a single layer reed boned or or corded corset but i have played with one looked at one at Lori tavan's mm-hmm. workshop and i was amazed you said they were so light yeah amazed at how lightweight and fine it was and I thought well, that looks like a nice thing to put on my body actually a little bit of structure to mm. support the dress and keep it from cutting in at the waist and yeah. you know it seemed like such a vast difference from what is available to, to buy today or that what we want to make yeah. today as costumers we have a lot of mm-hmm. reenactorisms creeping mm-hmm. in here uh, so of course it really doesn't have to be as um, horrible and restrictive as, yeah. as I think modern so when you see it is. like that you suddenly get a sense of how it works as an everyday garment. This is something that people actually wore and were comfortable in every day. It makes me wonder how bras are going to be reconstructed 200 years in the future. Are they going to be these horrible, like underwire bras are going to be these horrible things. And yet we wear them every day. (laughs) I happen to like my underwire bra. Thank you very much. Target special right there. (laughs) It's very comfortable, but it's just underwear. It's just underwear. You don't notice it when you're wearing it unless it doesn't fit you right. You get used to it. 
You get used to it. That's right. So, Kathy, kind of going and playing off of your your love of math, mm-hmm. if you were to do, because I don't actually know if, you, if you've done the numbers or the figures or percentages mm-hmm. on this, but looking through the corset pattern books and looking at the originals, how... Like, what's your percentage breakdown when it comes to bony materials and support materials Ooh, and needs? That's a good question. Sorry, I know it's, it's early in the morning to, like, <laughs> throw out, like, give um, some numbers to Kathy. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not sure I can put a figure on it. Um, I know there's more cording than you'd expect, but not mm-hmm. usually in the Victorian corsets, there's not usually all cording in the way there would be in a, in a Regency corset. Mm-hmm. It's usually a combination of things. Do you see it? Like, if we're to do 1860s versus 1870s, 1880s, 1890s, 1900s, 1910s, like, is there a point where it kind of fades out a lot? Um, there's a lot oh. of, there's actually a lot of different bony materials. It doesn't okay. just steel or yeah. whalebone or there's... What are the um, trends, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at, if you could do that? Well, there's, the cording, as you say, started in, uh, was there in Regency, so mm-hmm. it's there in the 1860s, a bit of it's there in the, 18, the 1870s, then... The pretty horse housemaid, horse maid. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other um, that's, job that's, opportunity. So the pretty yeah. housemaid is eighteen nineties, and that's still okay. full of cording. So that's okay. that goes all the way through. Um, the corsets they've kept are samples, so it's not always possible to tell what they're mm. corded with. Some of them have been worn, and some of them have got bits wearing away, so you can see inside and see what there yeah. is. The there's stuff. whalebone in there, there's, there's baleen in there, there's also coralline, which was a, a, also, I believe it's the same stuff that was also called featherbone, which was a, a stuff that was sort of, I think it was a vegetable fibre, hmm. and that was one of the alternatives that was tried out when whalebone started getting more scarce. Mm. I saw featherbone um, advertised in an 1880s um, Montgomery Award, it was actually the quills of feathers. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is, you're which right. Which I thought was... Fascinating. Yeah. Like, oh, never thought they were of that for bony materials. When the, the whalebone is starting to get less, more scarce and more expensive, they're going to start looking for alternatives. So there's yeah. this period where there's lots of different things being tried. So there's also um, the kind of rolls of uh, paper, almost paper cord. Wow. Um, strange, different, lots of different, different strange things. But it's not always possible to tell so that you exactly. could actually count yeah. that. Do you get celluloid bones? When do those start coming in? Are they oh, using God. those? Have you ever I seen those? On it. I haven't seen it. It's like, hmm, looks like whalebone, but it's actually really old yeah. plastic. Surprise! Shocker! And it's, <laughs> and it's difficult to tell because yeah. yeah. whalebone looks like... It looks like plastic. Looks mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Plastic in antique corsets? No! <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the steel starts coming in later on, so um, you get wide steel bones just on the sides. Um, fairly early on, 1870s, I think. Mm. I'm not absolutely sure on the dates there, don't quote me. Um, but then it's it, it becomes more and more prevalent as you go on. Mm-hmm. So by sort of 1910s, it's, it's a lot of steel. A lot of steel. So I'm interested in, I've read this, about corsets being put on forms and steam. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, because I imagine... Uh, this process and I'm sure doesn't reflect reality mm-hmm. at all. I've never seen it done and I kind of wondered what effect that gives. How do you do that today? Like, yeah. anything you know about the steaming of yes. steamy corsets? They used to steam them into shape before selling them. So the corsets that are there now, when, when we make corsets, we tend to be able to just lie them flat on a table. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're making really great stays that have got that, that yeah. bone in the front. Um, 
but they made the corsets and then they would lace them onto copper moulds and they had a room full of a whole row of copper moulds like mannequins and they would lace them on and, and push steam through them so that it would warm up the copper and mould the corset into shape. So now when you bring these corsets out, they're still moulded into shape. So they're in big museum archive boxes like this, you know, deep, wow. um, stuffed with tissue because they're still in the shape that they would have wow. been. So if you're using... Could you Reed. imagine finding one of those steam molder? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't I think they have so any. I don't think they've got any. I'm sure the copper's been moved. Yeah. Yeah. They've been yes, still moved. So if you're using reed and cord and rolls of paper yeah. and plastic and whalebone, then as opposed to steel, because steel wouldn't do it, would it? No. no. They would hold that shape. They'd hold mm -hmm. it forever. It's like, yeah. it's like blocking a hat. I guess the steel is probably, yeah. Yeah, probably hand Oh, I want to do that because yeah. I've put my stays and my corsets on my dress form and then like shot it with steam. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've steamed on an ironing board and like pulled the tabs up. Yeah, yeah. and it, it does work in the same way when you're wearing your stays or your corset at a really hot event, mm -hmm. and then you take it off and they stand up on their mm -hmm. own. It's not going to work with steel, but it does work with yeah. these other materials, and it does also work with the synthetic whalebone and the yeah. zip ties, which is really cool because yeah. you can kind of start to get that idea of the past yeah your your yeah. corset shape into your body i think that's fascinating that's really cool yeah and then of course the other reason they were using all these different boning materials other than steel was that they were flossing the flossing yeah. they were using was not nowadays we do it by hand but they were wanting to do it by machine because they were mass producing these things for those who so don't know were... what is flossing oh sorry yes. i'm sorry the sorry flossing for interrupting is, um no that was that was a fair point um, the flossing is the embroidery that you see on corsets that holds the bones at the ends so that they don't move around, so that they don't wear through at the end. So it can be contrasting colours, it can be just little V's and X's at the ends of the bones, or they can they can get very elaborate, in the, particularly the 1880s they got very elaborate and decorative. So um, they have they were doing that by machine, so a lot of the reason they were using these uh, things like paper cording and um, and uh, cane was because they could put that thing under a machine and just embroider straight through the bones. Uh, yeah. So Which they is, could do very elaborate patterns. Yeah, they could do elaborate patterns and they weren't worried about breaking yeah, their breaking bones anything, or breaking needles. Or, yeah. And it actually would yeah. help hold, and even being able to sew through it too. You're yeah. able to better hold it in place. Yeah. yeah. Well, sewing so. through bones you get that in bodices too if you spring mm -hmm. bone sprung bones have you ever yeah. done sprung bones in a bodice yeah they're amazing mm -hmm. but you have to like drill a little hole through That's the top right. of the bone and and thread it through um but i've had bones stick up out of you know work their way through the binding mm -hmm. even leather binding and well, yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah they just poke on through everywhere. and it's like ah what am i gonna do and you just whether it's pretty or not you floss yeah. it to keep the bone in place um, to keep it from wiggling That's around. Right. So. so I have a question about cost, and I don't know if you mm -hmm. know this, but back in the olden times, about, and I know we're covering half of a century in the beginning of the 20th century here, what would you expect to pay for a Symington corset? Were they cheap corsets every day, or were they more expensive? The, they were supposed to be cheap and affordable. Particularly the pretty housemaid that was that was marketed as the strongest and cheapest corset ever made. So it was a bestseller, and that was pennies. Um, you're asking me for a number again. But I don't remember <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, I don't remember what the cost is, but I can find out. But it was 
you know pennies because they they were they were marketing it at uh, women in domestic service so it was recognizing that these women had a small disposable income and an interest in fashion and they were able to spend spend money on corsetry um how were they this made me think with the pretty housemaid um how were they selling it according to size was it like a small medium large was it based off of waist measurement yeah it was by waist measurement okay so do you know the the size range they would have gone not offhand but they would have gone from probably around 20 inches up to probably quite quite a bit more i know that 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 you could get corsets that were Mm -hmm. up to you know 30 40 yeah even 50 inches Whether the Simonton, uh, Simonton Company did that, I don't know. Do they have but an average with the pattern books? Sorry, now I'm like thinking, going... Yes, in the pattern was... books, most of the patterns are for about a 22-inch waist. Okay. So what we tend to do with them is that because they come in, you know, are not they're not real size in the book and they're, they're not quite real size in the, the ones on the website, you can scale them up. Yeah. And what I do personally is that I measure the waist and then scale it up so that the waist is right mm-hmm. and then you can change the vertical... Yeah. length of each piece yeah. so I have a feeling if Luca were here he would say because the next natural question is but what if the bust and the and the hip don't fit and I think Luca would say ah but you should pad it <laughs> yes exactly. yes tell yes, us a little bit and I know that's shape. that's kind of Luca's stick there but tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about padding and shape and silhouette yes um particularly this is this is another place where I love to, a foundation is revealed, I love to bring these two groups of people together, the mm-hmm. historical corset makers and the modern corset makers, because they've got so much so much to learn from each other, and so it's different approaches that can cross-pollinate and do interesting things. But the, the way we think of making courses now is that we're trying to make it fit, and we're very, uh, we're very into making our clothes fit us, whereas back then there was a fashionable silhouette that you were aspiring to. So it was about making your body into the fashionable silhouette. So we, t- we tend to assume that Victorians could achieve a shape and a, and a tininess of waist that we can just no longer do anymore because we have modern bodies. I'm using air quotes here. Big air quotes. Uh, yeah, big, big air, air quotes. quotes. Um, but the truth is they were lacing their waist down a little bit, but they were using a heck of a lot of padding as well, mm-hmm. particularly in the upper chest, around the outside of the chest, and in the, the hips. The side boob? <laughs> the side boob. They had fake side boobs. So, yeah, and this is something Luca talked about last year when he was here, that uh, there was a lot of padding going up on up here that you can see in Janet Arnold patterns. She's drawn it on there, but we tend not to do, thinking, well, why would you... Why would you pad that? But and when you look that's at what they were doing to create the shape. Suites of measurements from I've seen this in the Edwardian uh, dressmaking books. Mm-hmm. When you measure the bust, you're not measuring across the mm-hmm. broadest the nipples, so to speak. Yeah. The broadest, you're, you're the broadest part. <laughs> <laughs> you're measuring the high busts, mm-hmm. and it, so you have a 10-10-10 ratio. So ten is different between yeah. the high bust, the waist, and the hip, and how you got to that measurement. Uh, is up to you. (laughs) Well, it's, um, there's a book I was reading, it's a dressmaking book, um, Edwardian, so it was early 1900s, and she was talking about the average American woman, because this is something that I found fascinating, Mm because we get the whole people were smaller back then, blah, 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 blah. 
And she was breaking down that the quote-unquote average American woman was five foot six, 142 pounds, a 36-inch bust, a 24, 26-inch waist, and a 42-inch hip. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Damn. Because I just saw one. Um, it was in an early 1920s magazine. I believe it's the 1922 one that you brought. Um, mm. And it was, and this is only a few years on from what Abby just said, the average was, I don't remember the height, I believe it was your height, 5'4". 5'4", yeah. 5'4", 36 inch bust, 30 inch waist, and then like a 38, 39 inch hip. hip. And I thought, oh, heck yeah, those are my measurements. I'm 5'6", but those are my body measurements. I'm like, I feel much better. No wonder I look good in 20s clothes. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, same thing for the 20s. You don't have smash bust, you know, um, it was still a shapely woman, mm-hmm. but it was that was considered the beautiful silhouette. Yeah. So padding or, or more straight or what have you, it really, really does change. The idea that our bodies today are modern bodies, mm-hmm. I think is a bunch of bunk. I mean, obviously yeah. our diet is different, but yeah. we're not particularly taller, shocker. We're not particularly... Yeah. Honestly, I would wager we're probably going to get shorter because we're not eating as healthy as, as mm-hmm. our ancestors did. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, you not think about in this living country. in... Shorter and wider. Yeah, shorter and, <laughs> shorter and wider. So we are getting bigger, but not yeah, the way not we want to. Not in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's, sorry, I'm like going down my own little rabbit hole in my brain now. So mm. talk amongst yourselves. So, Kathy, is there anything you, else you would like to add to Simington Corsets, um, your knowledge, your experiments with... Oh. That's what I wanted to ask, because you're working on your peacock dress, and you mm. had that whole thing in the, you had yeah. the corset made for you, the yes. S-shape Yes, one. the S-band one, yeah. And, and I did, we I had a go. This. Tell me. Did yeah, you um, I had a corset made a while ago. Stunning. An experiment. Yes, Stunning. it was. This was made by Sparkle Run again, who is a good friend of mine, um, Jenny Hampshire. And um, we had a go at padding underneath the corset. And because this particular corset we made, I was wondering how to get the shape because mm-hmm. the, the last, the first Edwardian dress I made, that oak leaf dress, when I look back at it now, I only ever show people pictures, close-ups of the embroidery because the silhouette was way off. It looked like a bridesmaid dress. But, uh, but the embroidery uh, is great. Best bridesmaid's dress ever made. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but I wanted, with this one, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really um, nervous about getting silhouette right this time. Um, and I was wanting to know how to do that, and we found this corset pattern that had enormous hips on it, and I started to think, it just, surely this thing is padded. So she made this thing to my waist shape, the bust was about right, and then we just padded the heck out of these hips. And there you go. That's how, and I came to this theory that this is how they did it, that they were padding underneath the corset. Now, other people have told me that, no, you didn't pad the corset. There might have been a little bit of padding in the corset, but not like huge like shoulder pads stuffed up underneath the <laughs> but um but i've since seen there's a scott hip pad that i've seen on pinterest that it has a label on it saying you pad, you use this under your corset so mm-hmm. i think there was a bit of padding on going on maybe not as much as i did with that corset yeah but so there was some but it was with tons of shoulder pads yeah, yeah. and in yeah. fact the 80s shoulder pads that's the last time in fashion that we used padding we think of it as weird now because mm-hmm. it's just not been there for 20 or 30 years. It, like, 
the shoulder pads popped in, I think, circa like 2012 for like a hot second, but they were yeah. like the crazy like Lady Gaga. Thanks, and I was like, Rihanna. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so those of you who are familiar with Cynthia's ironwork dress, the Worth black and white recreation. Yes. Um, Cynthia does curse, curse it. Red Threaded is who we're talking about, <laughs> right. for those who don't My know mistake. her by her first name. Yes, Cynthia said she. She's another hero of mine. Um, <laughs> she does course it down tiny. She's a tiny little girl, but woman. But mm-hmm. she also padded the heck out of yeah. her corset. And the shape of that was just the the ironwork on and all the work the work that she did um yeah. with the textile was amazing but if she had not gotten the silhouette right i don't think it would have been it nearly have as jaw dropping as it yeah. was it was yeah. a real treat to see she that really last year bar, something wrong on that she well. did and we're all like That's reeling from it still yeah. we are at costume colors like oh god yeah. yeah takes all the pressure off because no one will ever live up to it so. <laughs> <laughs> well that's how Abby wait, feels. somebody will somebody will raise the bar again um. <laughs> that's what the great thing is about coming together like this it's all like okay Let's step it up now. Game on, ladies. Let's next do game it. On. Throw yeah. down. <laughs> Throw down. It's the not gala. The, not, the, not the costume is a competitive sport. <laughs> it's all in good fun. Yes. It's all in good fun. fun, you know, to inspire each other to be, yeah. Yeah, to be better, definitely. to try harder. So taking away this conversation when it comes to mm-hmm. silhouette and, and your experiments with it and your research that you found in it, would it then be a good rule of thumb, if you will, for those listening to say, if you're working on a historic corset mm-hmm. trying to get close to a ratio of 10 10 10 is is a good idea so you know if you have uh if you can lace down to say a 27 inch waist but you have mm-hmm. a 34 inch bust pad your bust out to be roughly 37 yeah um and then the hips I feel like the hips sometimes should be bigger than that, but I guess it depends on what yeah. what what decade we're in and what the hips look like, yeah. anyways. Because it's going to get a little wackadoodle down there, anyways. Like yeah. well, that's not yeah. what real women look like down there, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're coarsening down. But yeah. It's like yeah. lobster tail bustles. It's like well, that's not natural, anyway. So. Yeah, well, the, yeah. the so natural good, form and then the Edwardian mm-hmm. hip hugging skirts yeah. and all that, um, especially the Edwardian, you get a very very big ratio. Yeah. Well, there. it's like I said, that one was like 24, 26 to like 42. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a lot yeah. of girth. It, down it varies there. by period, but it's yeah. just the information's out there, yeah. and it's not about oh god, how am I going to weight my waist that small? It's about no pad pad you pad yourself out yeah, to make the right to make the shape. The yeah. optical illusion. And suddenly it becomes like oh, that's how they did it. It's not that they had different bodies; it's that no. they knew something that we did. They were a lot cleverer than we're giving credit for. Oh god! When so we talk about oh the pain and the torture yeah. and all that, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. We, we underestimate the heck out of them. Guinea jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I always liked to talk about, and I feel like this goes into the same same idea with padding out your corsetry to give you the ideal body. You know, yeah. we have this ongoing conversation as women today. What is the ideal body? Mm-hmm. And da 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 da. And and I remember when I used to wear 18th century clothes all day every day. Mm-hmm. People would always ask me if I'm comfortable, and mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it was cold outside, warm outside, hot outside, if I was dressed fancy or if I was dressed in work clothes. I had my stays on, are you comfortable? I had skirts on, are you mm-hmm. comfortable? And I would always say to them, I am, and I'm, I'm comfortable in a multitude of different ways. I am mentally so much more comfortable in my 18th century clothes than I ever am in my modern clothes, because the body that you all see is the body I've chosen to let you yeah. see. Because, oh, that's huge. Because you don't actually know what I look like. 
it's completely private. The body you see is the body I have chosen yes. to let you see. And I feel like it's the same incredible. thing with like Edwardian and Victorian. You know, if you're padding yeah. it out and you're padding your hips out, you're padding your chest out, and you may or may not have a 24-inch waist. Yeah. You may have a 28-inch waist or a 30-inch waist. It doesn't matter because you still look yeah. like the ideal and it's what you've chosen to put out into the world. You're consciously creating the look. Yeah. It's like Instagram. Much more control over the female body that way. Yeah. <laughs> and people tend to say, back on everybody's favorite subject to harp about, they tend to say, oh, but we're so much freer today. We don't have to wear mm. corsets and girdles um, and all of that. But we have replaced that what you're saying with the body I've chosen to, mm -hmm. to show you, we've replaced the security of underpinnings with the requ societal requirement yes. to have a fit and toned body. To diet yeah. and now, exercise. To and diet and exercise and crash diets and all of this must be skinnier. Thigh gap when it's physically not possible because your yeah. hips are narrow. Like, and because yeah. we show so much of our bodies, if you're, you're mm -hmm. ridiculed if you're not this super svelte right. toned yeah. body. So what, have yeah. we really removed our oppression or have we just replaced it with... Yeah. With something else, in a way. frankly, I would rather wear underpinnings yeah. and oh, be yeah. secure yeah. that all of my clothes fit and are in the right place, and I'm not going to pop out somewhere and I don't have rolls, you know, overlapping yeah. my jeans. Then, then airplane. There is an airplane flying over, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> then have to hit the gym and feel shitty about, excuse me, <laughs> shitty about my body, um, <laughs> looking in the mirror while everybody else judges me on my treadmill. Yeah. I mean, and spend my time doing that. Now, that kind of makes me sound like a lazy article, uh, but mm -hmm. the fact is, is that we live in a super, super busy life. Yes. Every, it's like, go, go, go all the time, and yet you're still expected to take an hour out of your day every single day to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Kathy, I know you were in the gym this morning, so <laughs> I do apologize for this. But Not for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's still better than me and my 20 minutes surfing Starbucks. I was going to say, it's better than like, <laughs> but I mean, look look at the pressures that are on us. So we go from celebrities of the day, right? We have these mm. beautiful curvy models yeah. in Edwardian dress, full of padding, mm -hmm. versus models that we have today that talk about unachievable. Yeah, yeah at least with yeah. Uh, Edwardian models, you can achieve a similar body type because it's all optical illusion anyways. Mm -hmm. I will never be six foot tall. Mm -hmm. I will never weigh 115 pounds and be five foot eight, five foot nine, five foot ten. I will yeah. never have long legs. That ain't gonna happen, mm -hmm. you know. So can I even ever hope to achieve that ideal body for fashion today? No, mm -hmm. I can't. So then, what do you do? You know, you can't pat it out. You can't. Well, I guess technically you can cut it off, but that's <laughs> expensive. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, oh God, you know. Yeah. 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 So, so, are we really less oppressed? Yeah. Today, man, we that's just right. got we got real heavy. Well, I'm sick of this argument. It comes yeah, up all the time. You get yeah. the you know, BuzzFeed article or whatever. Oh, mm -hmm. women, they couldn't breathe. They're like, well, in our experience, three ladies sat here in a, at a convention mm -hmm. of historical dress where everybody's wearing corsets, and mm -hmm. shocker, nobody passes out. Well, the thing yeah. is, I think with that is people who have worn corsets that are modern, whether they're cheap ones or good ones, depending on how they're patterned, is mm -hmm. really the big thing because yeah. I, I own a costumey corset that that my mom bought me and it's actually a really nice well-made corset it's got good boning in it it's very sturdy it's not you know cheap wibbly wobbly you mm -hmm. know buy it at you know yeah. a mall it was actually a, a nicely made corset but I look at pictures of myself wearing it and I and when I wore it the last time it had no spring in it 
no spring whatsoever. And so if I laced down at all, it put so much pressure on my rib cage and on my hips that that's when I became yeah. lightheaded. It's not the waist. It's the lack of spring yeah. to give your rib cage room to move. Yeah. So yeah, it's... a lot of them now they have they don't have a lot of shape in them. No, because we still believe that we can't achieve that shape. Yeah, and it's like no, put the spring yeah. in it. Oh, the spring. And again, <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is what fascinates so me about going yeah. going into corsetry because when we improve the corsets and figure out what they were doing and how they were doing it, which is what we're trying to do with foundations, um, it'll improve the entire look, the entire costume, and you'll feel better wearing it. You'll feel it better too. wearing it, yeah, because we still some of us wear corsets that aren't made well or aren't patterned well or we're not quite sure what we're doing with it and it's uncomfortable and we assume that that's because it's supposed to be uncomfortable and it's not it's not, it's, it's not hard to make an uncomfortable corset but it is possible to make a comfortable one that fits well and gives you the look you want take it out a little bit extra time well ladies and gentlemen um kathy hay amazing thank you, oh, thank you. Hey. corset research entrepreneur, <laughs> owner of Foundations Revealed and Your Wardrobe Unlocked. General you, badass lady. Yeah, totally badass and English. And if you <laughs> want to learn more about corsetry, Foundations Revealed, uh, becoming mm -hmm. one with yes, Your, your wardrobe, wardrobe Unlocked. So uh, we'll still have all the costume stuff in there, but it's we're kind of leading with the corsetry. The, the corsetry is like the gateway drug. <laughs> you know, you get hooked on the corsetry. Well, that is like the gateway the drug to stuff historic costuming anyway. Yeah. It's like, yeah. of course it's boobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Um, so if you want to learn more, what is your URL? Official? It is foundationsrevealed.com. Excellent. And we'll put that in the info too. We will. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. For taking time I out of I have a here. gift for both of you, actually. Because I have this new this new branding coming up. I have new Ooh, business cards. New business, business cards. When I, when I have new business cards. It's business time. It's My business, business time. card company oh, send, send these lovely little extra cards. Not only do we have the, the nice ones there, oh. but they send these extra little cards with compliments on. So they send you a cards to give people that say things like, I like your shoes. But oh, they've, they've, gone a bit, they've gone a bit further with the compliments. So here are the two that, that I have for you. I'd like to sculpt yeah. your face in mashed potato. What's Mine your says your eyeballs are incredible. That is true. Yeah. Your, me your eyeballs are incredible, <laughs> and my face does look like mashed potatoes. If so. we have a cute Uber driver when we go to the museum today, yes. gonna... pass them on. Pay that's it forward. Not, that's your not eyeballs are incredible. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. You can have this points for how much you creep people out with yeah. this. <laughs> Please leave a note. It's just a one out of ten creep factor. <laughs> this uh, has been amazing. Yes. We are so honored and lucky wow, to have you. gotten yeah. to talk yeah. to you in person. So much fun in our honest luxurious hotel room. Yeah, indeed. In your penthouse suite. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're in the nice hotel room again this year. You're on one of those special floors. Yeah. No, no, no I'm, floor I'm floor 16. I tried to get floor 17, but it, it didn't quite oh. happen. This well, year. you're obviously you not 17, special you enough. You get the refurbished rooms. Ooh. Just kidding. Um, so thank you again. Thank this you. has been Fashion History with American Duchess. I'm one of your hosts, Lauren Stoll, and I'm the other one, Abby Cox. And this is us signing off. Bye. Bye. Bye.